Hello and welcome to uh, episode the 31 of Tampa Tantrum. Uh, I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Colin Harmon. Hello, Colin. It's the 31st, not the 31. Doesn't make any sense. It is the 31. No, the 31st. It's episode the 31st. We have this argument every start. Like, if I want to say the 31, it's the 31. <laughs> and if I want to say Prague is in Eastern Europe, I can. These are the rules. And you do. And you do. How are you going? I'm very good. I'm very good, mate. I'm very good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I was at, um, just back from Vice, where we had uh, Unfiltered, which is a series of talks that Vice are running. Um, back where the first Tamper Tantrum was ever filmed, for any of you that have seen those videos. And Anne Lonell from Coffee was over, so that was good fun. Wow, cool. We talked about coffee and competitions and all sorts of stuff like that, so yeah, it was good fun. And That's yourself? Very cool. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm awesome. I, obviously, I was in um, Gothenburg last week for the SCAE. Um, it seems like a million years ago, um, but... Uh, I'm, I'm going to say something really controversial, Colin. You know how I'm kind of like, I kind of go for these controversial kind of out there statements. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to shock SCAE to the core. To, to Gothenburg, the core. Gothenburg was the best SCAE conference I've ever been to. Really? Really? Well, let, let's let's qualify that statement. It how wasn't. Good was, was it good? Well, listen. <laughs> It was it wasn't very big, yeah. So um, that was kind of good because it was the right sized venue. So it didn't like. Do you remember in Nice how it rattled round in there? And, wh- and when I say best SCAE event, I'm kind of going the ones without the WBCs because they don't count. Yeah. Um, but it fit in the venue. It was a lovely city. Um, and it was there was plenty of people to see. Now the other thing is, that I also I've got a new strategy for going to conventions, and it basically involves flying in on the last day, because one everybody's pleased to see a new face, so I was incredibly popular. Everybody wanted to talk to me. <laughs> um, but two, like by the time I wanted to go home, it was time to go home. It was really good. That's a so, good tactic, all right. I did yeah. that for Rimini, but it didn't work out so well for me. No, no, but. Um, it, it was really good. I, I thought it was an excellent show. It was, seemed well organised and well put on. I remember them saying about um, the one in Nice wasn't as well intended and the hall was too big as well. And mm. something that somebody said to me about trade shows is that you always know how popular the trade show is by how wide the walkways are. <laughs> yeah. So if there's a good like six metres uh, between the stands then you know um, it's not that popular and if there's kind of a, a two metre walkway then you know it's it's been well uh, taken up by exhibitors so um, yeah, it's interesting maybe you just enjoyed like it because I wasn't there if you think about Rimini it was um, like that was just so such a big venue for, for that event it was just way too big um, you know there was lots of dead space all over it but it didn't feel like that in Gothenburg at all yeah I've never been to Gothenburg it seems like an interesting city yeah no the food was great I went to the brew dog as well they've got a brew dog there I really was most happy yeah yeah it was around about a three-minute walk from the apartment. And coffee shops? Uh, I went to uh, Johan and Nystrom mm-hmm. uh, on the morning, but because I was only there for a short time, that was pretty much it. Um, okay. Yeah. And did you see any of the competitions? 
Uh, no. Not one. None. None. On purpose. Not a dicky bird. No. If 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 they don't want me to MC, I refuse to watch them. <laughs> That's a good way to go about it. Hmm. No, I, I just didn't have time because I was there for the one day. Um, it was like get everything done quickly and um, yeah. But I, I I was really impressed. I was super super impressed. But we, it's not just um, that that's happened. There's other stuff happened. Um, Tim Williams. Did you see that coming? I did. Well, I kind of I saw Tim in Seattle. And I said, oh, hey, how's things, how's things going at workshop? And he said, oh, I'm kind of stepping away from responsibilities there a little bit. And uh, I could see he was struggling in, with how he was going to explain it. So I just said, oh, I just won't ask him. It's fine. So I, could kind of, I knew something was happening. Um, did he start talking about smoked meat? No, I did hear that rumour, though. There was <laughs> a rumour going around that, that Tim Williams or Styles, whichever way you're inclined, uh, was going to open a smoked meat business of some sort. Which I don't know. I'd love to ask him, is that true or is it just a daft rumour? But maybe it was just related to his Instagram because there's a lot of smoked meat on there. I, I, I would be very keen to uh, make him a friend if he had lots of uh, smoked meat in his new industry role. That would be... Uh, yeah, I like my smoked meat very much. And it's interesting what he's doing. So for those of you that haven't read his, his blog, you can go to... He has a Tim Williams Twitter as opposed to the Tim Styles Twitter now. And you can... Um, go on there and see his blog post and essentially he's not he's not exporting or importing he's he's advising people on how to buy coffee and how to do it seasonally and I know like this is a we have um, a, an Excel sheet in 3FE called the Greencast because we went from roasting no coffee to roasting 70 tons in the space of like 18 months so it was a massive learning curve for us. So this is a tool that, I, that we use to help Steve, uh, to stop Steve from throttling us because we've completely <laughs> underestimated how much green coffee we need at any given time. Because it's, it's difficult when you're growing, as you know, Steve, but it's, um, it's, it's a difficult, you think you've got loads of coffee and then three weeks later you're like, oh look, it's all gone now and I can't get any more coffee for four months. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's a very difficult thing. So what Tim is doing is he's lending that knowledge to uh, roasters around the world, I think. And advising them about how much to buy, when to buy, and who to buy from. Yeah, it sounds interesting. It's definitely a different approach. Um, yeah, but, but I think it's a it, it's there, there's a model there that, that I suppose like that you use and most other roasters use. But there's new generations of roasters coming through, and I think especially we'll see a, not, a lot more small roasters, like roasters that won't necessarily do wholesale. So I think they might uh, benefit a lot from, from what he's uh, trying to do. So best of luck to him. I think it's a, a new way of thinking about something as well, which I think is always welcome. I've always, I've always felt there's a, there's a business idea out there to consolidate kind of stuff together. Um, I've always felt there's somebody to be that mediator of consolidation. And not just for, not just for the, um, like the new guys, but like sometimes I forget that I, you know, I, I kind of got 20 bags sitting there that I, was, I bought and I forgot to move. And like that kind of consolidation service would be good as a, as a step on from importer and buying directly. Um, but yes. Yeah. So you yeah, mean someone... Luck, that, Tim. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, I, I mentioned there about like um, 
what I liked about Tim's idea is that it's a different way of thinking. So it's like he's saying, okay, well, this is this is uh, something that not many people have done. I'm not sure if anyone does it. It's like I think it can be done this way, and I want to help you do it this way. And I like uh, a blog post I read during the week. Kind of, I found really inspiring from a, a coffee roaster, which is uh, Blue Bottle. And what they've done is that I've met James Freeman, um, and during the conversation, it came up how he wasn't really crazy about wholesale, and it became very obvious to me that wholesale just wasn't his thing. They did a lot of it. Um, I'm not quite sure how much they did, but I, I'd imagine it ran into seven figures very easily. And but you can tell just talking to James like that, it just wasn't his bag. You know, like he just didn't enjoy it. He didn't. Uh, he worried a lot about the about what was happening with the coffee when it went to those places, and he worried about people kind of relying on his brand to sell coffee as opposed to just doing a good job. Um, so this week, they just pulled wholesale. So they're going to wind down all of their wholesale contracts over the next few months. Now, this coincides with them opening a gazillion shops at the same time. So it's uh, the consumption is, is going to just shift in a different direction. And I'd say that's one of the root causes is that I'd say they just were finding it difficult to get hold of coffee. Um, but what I, found I, kind, it, I kind of think I'm going to get stuck here for a little while, you know, because I, I have lots of feelings about wholesale. I have, I have a number of wholesale accounts, as do you. Yeah. And I, I, I like wholesale for many, many reasons. One, it, it helps promote, it helps promote the brand, you know, so if you're just doing it yourself, and I don't have a retail outlet, so that would be, you know, just be the, the website, whereas being in coffee shops helps my brand. Um, but it's kind of strange that, you know, it's the part where, the part of my business where I make the least, um, because the only other one is I have, which is retail, which, you know, if you're selling a bag for retail and wholesale, very, very different. And it's kind of weird that I, I was talking to another roaster in Gothenburg about guest, as I do, because it's my thing. Uh, and, and that you know, they were saying like how much they love the guest because it helps them, you know, grow, grow what they do. And I was like, I hate guests. It sucks. I get somebody come along who wants to rip the best part out of my brand for their their situation, and they want me to give it them cheaper than I'll sell to a very loyal website customer who comes every week and buys my stuff. Yeah, so what was um, your sol solution to the whole guest thing? What did you do? Well, we still have an internal struggle now. So, it, like, D Dale occasionally sneaks them in and, and doesn't tell me, and then I find out about them, and then I shout and scream and stamp my feet very loudly. Yeah. Um, but as a rule, I, I hate guests. Just... I hate all of it. And and listen, some of them are really great shops that I love being in. I, I'm kind of thinking of a couple now that are you know world renowned shops where our coffee is there as guest. I'm kind of like, but it still doesn't make me happy. And the, the same roaster we ended up talking about uh, private label, and we we did a a lot of private label. And I would say when I say a lot, I quantified that you know it's probably around about ten ton a year, which I think is a lot. Right. But that was but that was about two years ago, um, and in one fell swoop, I stopped private labeling. I was like, if you don't want to work with our brand and what I am and who I am, I don't want to work with you. Yeah, and we just stopped the whole shaboodle because it didn't make me very happy. And I'm guessing with James Freeman that his wholesale stuff didn't make him very happy. Well, that's the point. Um, is that it's it's that's what I found so inspiring. It wasn't the fact that he. He doesn't do wholesale. I, I actually enjoy doing wholesale. I find it really, really rewarding. Me too. I, I know there's ups and downs, but I find it really rewarding. I love doing it. And he didn't love it, so he just stopped doing it. And I think that's... I, I'm going to give you... Okay, I don't know very much, okay? But 
here's something I do. But know. I know I love you. You can you edit that bit out. That'd be okay. <laughs> no, that's staying. Uh, uh, and in truth, this isn't mine. This is Cosimo Libertos. Okay, but he's a clever cookie. He is. Uh, but any time, I'm glad you said cookie. The last, um, any time you get to a stage where you you're kind of struggling for like you know you're kind of like you feel you're at a crux, you know that something needs to change or just something's not working very well. He said, get a piece of paper and a pencil, and you write three categories, all right, and everything falls into one of these three categories: things that you're doing that you want to keep doing, things that you're doing that you want to stop doing. And thing is that you're not doing that you want to start doing. And this sounded like very simple advice. I was kind of like, yeah, okay, so we did it. And now I find myself doing it like once every, every three months at least. And when you find that category of stuff that we're doing that we want to stop doing, it's so liberating just to get rid of it. And then it allows you to put all of the energy to the stuff that you, you want to keep doing and the stuff that you want to start doing. And then that's what really makes everything work so I, I don't know I just as much as I disagree with with James um, feelings on wholesale I completely agree with him um, stopping uh, their wholesale offering because they're I, I just I find it very inspiring to see someone driving a business the way they wanted to do it so kudos for James for that I, I kind of I, I'm sure that people see it in in um in 3FE when when you get motivated and you're in that place where you were kind of right we're going to do something different and it's like oh god they're going to take away some customers or they're going to make it all bad um, but when you're working at capacity like Blue Bottle obviously are why would they want to continue to grow their wholesale which is the least profitable part of their business when you know they'll have to invest in infrastructure and more roasteries more green coffee all of those things um you know, it's kind of like it just makes it makes a lot of sense business wise that when you are in the place they are and growing so much that you want to fund the most profitable part of their of the business. Yeah, um, it's one of the. But that's things. not that's not the bit that's not the big deal that happened this week. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, I just want to talk one more thing about wholesale. Okay. Oh, go on. Is um, it, the thing that's always that's always you have to be okay. You have to be uh, very thoughtful about which wholesale customers you work with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody will always say, okay, well, we only work with the best cafes. Our approach is slightly different. We, we, we work with the most, with the, the places that, w- that want to improve. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we, we have worked and are working with some not very good cafes. And this time next year, they'll be, they'll be good cafes. And the year after that, they'll be very good cafes. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a progressive thing. And that's, that's what I like to do. But it's, it's one thing I've always found. And it, I never, really, until we started roasting, I never really was aware of this and it, it, it's only really begun to bug me in the last few years because you'll get someone that goes to one of these cafes that's just on the open they might have a great barista four days a week and then they go the day that someone's up there and the coffee's bad and they come back and they snigger and go oh it's very good and they say oh well you know you shouldn't be just selling it to anybody you need to be more selective but like can you imagine doing that at a cafe yeah so like someone comes in and goes hi can I get a cappuccino oh yeah what's a cappuccino where does it originate? <laughs> like, yeah. Where is where? I, I had a big argument with with a uh, um, well, no, arguments the wrong word discussion with a with a with another UK roaster about um, us selling ground coffee on the website, and we didn't for a while. I actually killed it, and 
I got loads of customers like, oh, well, I'm going to grind. And I'm like, you should buy a grinder because, you know, if you buy a grinder, it will do this and it will do that. And they just ran away and never came back. So we ended up reintroducing it and they were, they were sniggering saying, oh, you know, you sell ground coffee. How can you be a specialty coffee roaster? And it's like, because if I don't give those people that coffee, they never know that buying a grinder is a good thing. Um, and I think there's an awful lot of that kind of snobbery around. You have to work with some wholesale accounts that may not be the most perfect of wholesale accounts. Um, you know, you have to you have to make some compromises to make it accessible to everybody. Now, compromises should never happen on quality of the coffee that you're providing. You know, the, the service and with a wholesale account that isn't so great, you can really get in there and do the training elements. Whereas otherwise, they're just going to buy from, you know. And other distributor that doesn't really care, and we'll just make the money from them, and coffee never gets better anywhere. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I, I'm with I'm with you, brother. Amen to that. True that. Something happened on the internet this week, didn't it? Uh, was it like Kim Kardashian? She broke the internet or something, or it's was a it a little like... bit a little bit like that? Following on from from uh, Matt Perger breaking the internet with the last temper tantrum talk, and um, <laughs> it was completely annihilated this week. So, for anyone living under a rock buried in cement covered in a mountain um you if you haven't seen or heard the sa or seaa this week announced that they they're were, pretty much the same thing colin there's an aggressive takeover <laughs> going on at the moment they pretty much announced that they were going to kill all regional barista competitions in the u.s now at this stage it was down to three there last year there were three regionals so there's the big western the big eastern and the big middle or something, I can't remember. They're all big, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> is, is, is it the... I can't even remember what the other one is. Um, but, yeah, so they've, they've decided to, um, to kill them and just have a national barista competition. And it's... Um, yeah, I think, uh, suffice it to say, there was a bit of a shitstorm online. I presume you caught it all. No. None no, of it? Not at all. No, I'm not being sarcastic either. I've been so offline the last week or so. Uh, I got a text from you going, have you seen this? I was like, no. Um, but I kind of, I, I've obviously, because I, I'm professional and we were doing this podcast, I did go and have a little bit of a look back. And there seemed to be many, many unhappy people kind of uh, uh, like really changing. the and, and it's probably changing the way you can enter a competition. Uh, I mean, kind of so much so that if you were American you couldn't compete? Yeah, so like the criteria for the, for, I, I, I'll read them here. I've memorised them off by heart. Um, so baristas who either hold a level one or two SEAA certificate or those who have pre- previously competed in the USBC or regional barista competition during the 2014 or 2015 cycles will be eligible to register on January 4th, 2016. There will be 35 spots available on a first come, first serve basis. Companies may enter up to three, competi- uh, three competitors. So does this mean if you've paid for an SCAA educational certification, then you can enter a regional, you can enter the USBC? Yeah. So like, like you're so saying, if, that, if, if we this make was, money out of if you, this was in Europe, you can enter. Yeah, if this was in Europe, I wouldn't be able to enter. So I haven't competed in 2014, 2015. I have no certificates. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be. Wild. And then it's 35 places for a country the size of the US. That's incredible. Registration will be open to anyone interested in competing on January 18th, 2016. There will be 12 spots available on a first-come, first-served basis. So this applies to anyone else. So um, schmucks like me who don't have the qualifications would then roll up on the 18th and hope that they would get one of the 12 spots. 
Uh, and again, I presume there's a cap on the amount of um, competitors per company. Right. Um, now, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually agree with the SCIA on this one because I've been to regional heats where there is some terrible, terrible, terrible dross that turn up that really shouldn't be competing. Uh, people that have been forced to compete by their bosses or they decided at the last minute they were going to compete. And this could take away so many of those terrible performances that you see at Barista competition. They're kind of the, the unprepared and the uninterested um, competing. I actually yeah. think this could be a very good thing. I understand the sentiments completely. Like I, I just think my big problem with, 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 with I think, with, with this and with is it's, it's not you can see it's competitions aren't very goal focused so there is a, a group of people who think it's about education and it is and then there's a group of people who think it's about entertainment and it is it isn't. <laughs> and there's a group of people who think it's about building community and it is and it's hard to be all of these things and there's, there's many other things that it does too like I think a reasonable solution and like as you see smaller competitions around the world get worse and worse um, if it's been goal focused at the start and it is about building community and just giving people that kind of foot into the industry just like their first experience to get to meet some people get some feedback why hold it in an auditorium with a stage why not just hold it like at an office or at a roastery or you know and just let people get feedback and then those that are good enough could then go forward to the, to the national championships or in a hotel in Greece where baristas can go on holiday together. Yeah. Or, like, a ca- you know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm making that quite flippant, but I think, you know, the, the, those opportunities can be done um, in those kind of barista camp type things where, you know, the educational stuff happens and there's a lot of fun around it as well and it's open to everybody. Um, I think for me, the biggest signal from going over all this stuff uh, today was, was really that, to me, it feels like the death of the barista competition. It kind of feels like the barista competition is 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 changing a little bit. Um, but I also I, I mainly think it's because of the coffee throwing championships and everybody's focus is moving. Yeah, I think that's um, obviously happening. That's that's the one that's causing big ructions. But like I think without without having a huge understanding of, of what's motivated this or where it's come from, just reading through the lines and money and money re- and reading, sponsorship. Yeah. Money yeah. and sponsorship. It is money and sponsorship. And, like, they were saying, it's quite obvious that, like, the regionals were losing money, they're expensive to put on, uh, and it, it needed to be sorted out. And, okay, bear with me for a second here, okay, but I have an analogy that I think is, is kind of relevant to this, okay, and you often hear, I'm sure it's the same in the UK or in Australia or the States, wherever you listen to, that you'll hear a report on the radio saying, okay, well, let's say, such and such a, a train line has been you know, cut because, or this job's been cut uh, because you know, it's not making enough money or fares are going up. And it's like, this, there's a constant dialogue in Ireland about, oh, okay, the, the, this train line isn't making any money, so we're going to cut it, okay? So mm-hmm. if a train line is, is losing like 10 million in a year, people go, okay, we need to cut the service or else we need to cut jobs or we need to up ticket prices, whatever, okay? That seems like a reasonable uh, answer to what's happening, okay? You look at a road. Well, no, well, okay, wait, well, listen, no, let me finish. Let me, let me finish here, okay? You look okay, at I, just, I just don't want to agree with your very obvious statement, that's all. Okay, but, okay, but this is what happens, and people think it's a logical explanation, regardless of whether you, you agree or not. But if you look at, like, a motorway, like, motorways cost millions of euros a year 
just to maintain and run. Nobody ever looks at them and say, oh, well, how much money has that motorway made this year? Yeah. Like, you'd never think that. You go, well, it doesn't matter how much money, because we all need it to be there so that we can do what we do. And train lines are like that as well. It's just that people measure them in monetary terms, which I think is a really bad metric to use. So, if you're still listening, um, <laughs> applying the, that metric to, to barista competitions is completely missing the point. Now, I'm not saying that you should absolutely lose your arse every time and not care, but you should have a budget there for it because getting people involved in the industry, getting them um, involved in barista competitions is, is the root of what we do and sucks everybody in. And I think, like, if you, if you read Trubaka's po- uh, blog post, um, one of the many that's floating around this week, it's it's really excellent. It comes, I mean, it comes from the heart. Like exactly, it, it is it is Chris Backer that's writing it. As far as yeah, it is Chris Backer, um, and Chris is like one of the most, if if not the most, passionate barista competitor of all time, and you can see how hurt he is by this. Like one of the things that he says is that like even the people who hated competition would always show up. There was always that sense of the community, and people just drop by people from the general public drop by you know it's it's a chance to come together and to criticize and to laugh and to to learn something and that doesn't happen at certificate level one education seminars it just doesn't happen so if these regionals are dropped out like we're losing all of that you know like i know this is just the u.s but, but i think, I think the difference here colonies no but there's a difference here that because they're not saying we're going to get rid of the regional because we, we had a similar problem in the UK when I first took over as national coordinator. There was no money to do heats, so we did the super heat. So it meant that everybody could still answer, enter, sorry, everybody could still be part of it, but we cut our cloth accordingly. And the problem is with the US, it's such a big place that they're, they're taking this rolling roadshow to the Big East and the Big West and the Big Central. And what they need to do is if they haven't got the money to do that they need to come up with a look we're doing it in this one place if you want to get here and compete you can but we're doing it here but it's and only, then it's only 50 you places have had this uproar. Hmm? it's only 50 places though it's for a country that size that's ridiculous but but then you but the, what i'm saying is you don't limit the places yeah you have a you have that superheat and you have as many places as people want to find your top 20 or whatever that go through to the finals at the SCAA in April so and it's like if, if you need those if 35 of the places go to people that have the certificates or experience like it's it's hard to get the experience unless you can get experience as the old <laughs> saying goes you know what I mean like how do you get the experience to have experience um, and then it, it, it's it seems it's, like they've tried to fix the problem by like smashing it to bits and going oh well we fixed the problem because we're gonna and and it's a great way to make some money um, that is you know, the other everybody. undercurrent that's there that it feels like this is just a way to force people to get certification well it's to try and give some credibility to the SCAA barista certification that's exactly what's happened there because at the minute the barista competi- the barista uh, certifications don't have any credibility all of a sudden it will get some because it gets you into a competition and that's really cynical yeah well what made matters worse um I'm gonna say I'm gonna say infinitely worse. Okay, I'm gonna say <laughs> no way. This worse. is going. Is that the SEA decided to make the announcement via Sprudge, which is to me seems like a good idea because Sprudge is um, the most accessible um, medium for instant communication in coffee, unless unless you, you've access to James Hoffman's blog, but <laughs> that's that's what it is. You know, it's just, it's instantaneous. Now the problem is that that SEA have got other media partners. 
namely Barista Magazine, uh, Roast Magazine, um, Fresh Cup, and other places like that. I'm not sure who, who is, but there's definitely a number of them there. And not only were these guys not chosen as, as a medium to, to get the message out, but they also weren't informed, uh, which mm-hmm. caused something of... Um, I'm going to say shitstorm again. Well, I, th- I think also there's a, there's a little bit of... I, I, I don't know. I kind of just look from outside in, but there seems to be a little bit of friction between Barista Magazine and Sprudge anyway. They don't seem to like each other very much. Well, I think they're both competing for Would the same... Would it be school saying that? No, I don't think so because like they're they're competing out of uh, kind of for the same audience. And I know like Barista magazine to me has an online presence, but it is more like the magazine, and Sprudge yeah. to me is a little bit more online. But like you could say that, uh, but they're in the same market though. There's there's bound to be a bit of friction. Like I'm trying to think of an example. Like okay, well in Dublin we roast coffee, and also let's say Beauty's roast coffee and roasted brown roast coffee. And although I meet those people and like all those people and wish them all the best. You, there's always going to be a little bit of friction because they're in your market. You know what I mean? Um, that's why I slashed their tires. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? It's it's natural to have a little bit of friction between. And I, I I don't I don't think it's anything unhealthy. But I definitely think that they're aware of each other and kind of look over each other's shoulders. Mm, yeah, they just I, I kind of I, I see them at barista competition and stuff, and they don't they don't seem to be besties of buddies whereas I, I'll walk around a trade show and see the guys who are competing against me in the UK and I'll I, you know it's, there's always a chance for, for for hugs and handshakes and all the rest of it I, I, maybe I'm just imagining it but I, I definitely don't think that helped the situation that you know giving it exclusively to um, one of your partners does kind of make the other partners feel a little bit uh, undermined and, and then there was the post that had to be redacted and changed and yeah. from you know which again I don't think helped the whole situation um, and that's what happens when somebody doesn't have it, well has half the information um, and that was the one tweet I did see where um, the blog post from Sprudge saying you know we didn't say this and we didn't say this and this isn't true and, and, and then you just felt oh god this has made this really really awkward yeah well like Sarah Allen the editor of Burst Magazine did go and write a very lengthy blog post about why she was upset about this and um, I mean they've been working together I mean they've been in existence for 10 years and I spent most of if not all of that time working with the SCAA so you can understand why that is um, but um, yeah it just it just feels really badly handled and then the thing is that as soon as this rolled out on Twitter there were people like uh, Nick Cho Billy Wilson um, I'm trying to think uh, Chris Baca Kyle Glanville uh, James Hoffman, all these people rolling in, and it just it rolled and it rolled and it rolled. It's interesting to see where it's going to end up, because um, you kind of get the feeling that the SCA is going to have to change. They're going to have to do something. I can't see them coming back on the decision, but they're going to have to make some sort of concession. Oh, I I think I think they'll have to. I think I think they'll have no choice but to open it up, because of the the fury and because of the way that the the backlash against them. Um, I think, I think they'll have no choice. Otherwise, they open the door for a competing competition. Because to... that's happening. Like with, with the coffee masters yeah. and with the coffee oh, throwing listen, championships. It's out there. It's, it's probably out there. It's national coordinates. You know, we, we like you know, the, the, the uh, stuff happening with uh, the coffee masters, you know, was on my doorstep and, I, and it, felt, it felt uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, it was like it, it wasn't good. What would you do? Um, and I think we. 
I, I honestly I do feel that the barista competition is at a really important crossroads. I think it's at a really pl- strange place where it has to radically change. So so when when the I don't the, the I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It hasn't stopped but you before. <laughs> it hasn't, and it won't stop me in the future. So if you tell me something, it's your fault. But I, I was kind of party to a lot of the information uh, of the WBC 2.0 that uh, Nick Cho did lots of work on. That was, you know, I think it was kind of thrown out there a little bit, and, and it was, you know, rejected a lot. There, there was a lot of people saying, no, this, this isn't right, this isn't right, this isn't right. And I think what Nick was trying to do was really put a bomb under it and say, look, got to change this can't stay the way that it is because eventually we're asking the same people for the same money every time and eventually that runs out um and i i I feel that those things have been you know threatened to change for ages and then the grinder thing happened recently and that you know we're going to see all of that change and but i kind of feel it's almost a little bit too late that there are other people out there with uh, ideas and um stuff that they want to do that you know, it's just they need to react quicker before they lose this the stronghold they have uh, on the community. One of the ideas that did pop up um, was um, well, there's two I think it was James Hoffman's and Nick Nick Cho's. So James Hoffman wrote on his his blog um, that uh, following on from a, a chat he had with, with Maxwell Colin and Dashwood, um, the idea of having a debrief. So that the judges will be able to ask questions, and this is something that I've thought about before, and thought this would be a really great idea. And I know Maxwell has some influence in the in the the way competitions are being formed in the future. Well, he's part of the working group for the uh, for for the competition development. So yeah, so yeah, um, it'd be nice to think that the, this conversation might actually go as far as being suggested at, at, at that group level, you know. But um, having that debrief might be a good thing to do because it's as happy as I was to get to fourth in the world the first year I competed. I hadn't got a clue what I was talking about. Like you told me what to say. I just I just wrote it and memorized it, you know? Um and if someone had asked me afterwards, like, hey Colin, what's a washed coffee? I would have just buckled, you know what I mean? So it it, uh, it stops chances like me getting through. So I think it uh, having that debrief will is a good way of like sorting the, the wheat from the chaff. Mm. No, but I, I think I think it's one of many things that seems to have been suggested over the past week that could fix and change a lot of this stuff. Did you and, read? But the it? problem is that SCIA didn't consult anybody. SCIA didn't go out to the members. What What, what do you think we should do? Because honestly, these regionals, it's a big amount of money, and we're losing. And it's, but you know, I, I kind of also wonder whether the sponsors really just want to sponsor the one big headline one, or they want the four events. Because I know that was something I came across. When we, when we were talking about doing the superheat, there were people like, well, we used to be in like seven places. It's like, well, yeah, stop getting used to it. It's because we can't afford it. But um, I guess they must have talked to their sponsors about it. But that's the thing again that it comes back to is that, like, it's not being goal focused. Because what I see with a lot of bursa competitions is people say, okay, we need to run the competition. And they go, okay, so we need a sponsor. You go, all right. So you get a sponsor. And then they say, we want to do it this way, but the sponsor disagrees. So they end up changing or putting it in, in a trade show because the sponsor wants it to be there. And then the cost of having it there is quite high. Uh, so they end up you know, relying more on the sponsor because of that. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. if we weren't relying on the sponsor, it wouldn't need to be there in the first place, which means it could be somewhere else, which would cost a lot less. And you know what I mean? Like, so you have to decide. I, I, sometimes I feel like they're going out looking for sponsors for the sake of it. 
Like, what are, you, what, what are we actually trying to achieve here? You know, it could be, it could be anywhere. One of the solutions that Nick Joe puts forward is the idea that just letting, giving coffee companies, or any company for that matter, the chance to host it, and they become financially responsible uh, for, for the competition, as long as it's done with certain criteria. That's something that I have experienced with. We ran the, the brouhaha in, in the Twisted Pepper, um, oh, five years ago? Yeah, five years ago. Um, and as a concept, it worked. And one of the conditions, I said, that we'll host a risk competition, but there's one rule, and they're like, what's that? I said, that I host it, I decide all the things, I'll pay for everything. I don't want group thing, committee things, and I just want to make all the decisions, suffer the consequences, enjoy the benefits, and that's it. Uh, which annoyed some people, but it got done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and this is a problem that there'll be a whole bunch of people out there kind of saying, oh, you know, we could do this and we should do that and we should do that. And then they sit on their hands and don't do anything and expect somebody else to do it for them. Um, and that, that that's the big problem. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure there was stuff out there where people say, oh, we should do this. And, you know, who've never done anything towards helping uh, with these competitions and, and, and bringing it forward. It just doesn't happen. Like there's so many people that throw stones, um, you know, but then actually don't. Say so, well, I'll, I'll I'll do my bit then. That that kind of reminds that's me really easy part. of having my ha- my ass handed to me a couple of months back by Stephen Mercy when we were talking about <laughs> these ideas that we have for the competitions, and Stephen said something to the effect of, "Yeah, well, I look forward to having your help with that," and like yeah. it's completely shut me up. I was like, "All right, yeah, I'll get back on my box." So because that's what it's all about is that there's you're never. Like even when we you ran, said, the... you say that, but you did the brouhaha. You did. You actually went out there and tried to do something, and you did. You know, like and 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 this is the big problem. There, are, there are some people in the community that constantly are like bitching about everything, saying that it isn't working, and 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 but then don't stand up and do something. You know, and no, you shouldn't. That was like two thousand eleven. I think you did the, the did that then. Like you shouldn't have to keep doing it over and over again. It becomes somebody else's turn at some point. Um, yeah. Well, like uh, Java Republic have run in uh, run some of the not the finals, but they've run the semi-finals. Yeah, uh, I think on two different occasions, and done an excellent job. It's been absolutely yeah. flawless because they're they bear the responsibility. And yeah. the thing is, like I've, I've lots of time for the SE. I like them a lot, but I found it difficult because I would I, I would I would say, well, we're going to do this, and they'd want to meet up and talk about. It. And I'm like, you don't need to come and meet up and talk about me doing it. I'm just going to do it. Like it's done. Like just forget about it. And I think there's. With this kind of uh, with, with kind of any sort of coffee group like that, there is that mentality where we just have to get together, get together and talk about it. Whereas, you should just you know outsource it, let it be done. And there's no end of companies in the US that would love to hold a regional. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Like we we this year with our regionals, we we asked we asked three people to host it. We turn up with the roadshow. They gave us a venue, um, and that's what we did. And yes, it cost us to get the judges there. But you make enough in sponsorship from the main event in the finals to offset some of that within within that. That you cut your cloth accordingly. Yeah. You know, if you can't afford the AV, like uh, Scotland, we we had very very basic. We didn't have any video AV, um, and we just had to suck that up because we couldn't afford it. Uh, and that that's the part that's frustrating with what the SCAA have done. They've said, oh well, we need this big roadshow. We need all these things. We can't do it, so we won't. Um, just scale it back. Nobody's going to be upset. Uh, if you know it's slightly different or it's changed, people are going to be upset if they're not allowed to compete. And there's that cynical edge to it where you have to have had an SCAA certification. That's the biggest part for me that I just think sucks. Yeah, I, I'm all for having like a more um, distilled, higher quality national competition. That's a great idea. But yeah, 
don't don't stop people entering. Like there has to be. But, they, but they, you see, this is the thing. The SCIA, the SCIA have been the country that's allowed. They have a, a regional, and it doesn't mean anything because you could still enter when you got to the to to the finals. If you'd failed as a regional, you could still go in and, and try and get one of the final places. It's crazy that that they're complaining that nobody went to their regionals when they didn't mean anything because you could just turn up to the finals and get through that way. I remember though, like looking on on. Uh, Twitter a few years back, maybe it was the year before last, and I kind of I was stopped on my tracks by a photograph. So there's a photograph at a regional barista competition, I can't remember which one it was. And sitting in the front row watching intently with flags and banners or whatever, you know, is is Brent Fortune, Ryan Wilbur, um who else is there? Uh, Chris Baca, I think, and like two or three other people of that ilk. So I'm kinda of like, okay, these are the big hitters in our industry. And behind them was about 40 rows of nobody, yeah. completely empty. And it was ridiculous. Like, it, it made me feel really sad. It was like, this is dying on its arse. Like, here are like the best people in the industry and nobody else. And I think that's, that's one of the big things that we have to kind of focus on. It's like, why rent an auditorium? We don't, you don't need it. Like, at national level, yes, but why just scale it back? Just have, you could have a training room and people come up, there's no audience, you do your routine, you get qualified feedback from the judges, you meet some friends, have some beers afterwards, and whoever's good gets to go through to the finals. Uh, and then that's the all singing, all dancing thing. And uh, like, the, the, the irony is, Cole, you'd probably get more people turn up to that one you than go. you would to the auditorium because it would be fun. And what's happened is with the barista competition, we forgot that it's actually meant to be fun as well. We think that the, the regionals are, uh, you know, kind of, they're, they're the WBC. And l- listen, I understand the formality of the WBC and why it is what it is, uh, because it's the finals, it's the world finals. But our regionals shouldn't be that way. There should be lots, m- there should be a lot more kind of friendly, casual part to it. And also, it shouldn't just be about the competition. You should introduce other events. Uh, and if you do something like uh, a, a one, a one superheat, um, I didn't invent that word, by the way. Or did I? I might have. Um, but if you do that, super, you can then put an educational program around it. You can do the fun parts around it, so people don't just associate it with those guys sitting at the front, watching, you know, something like. I think I think I actually saw that one too. I think it was Katie as well, Katie Cody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like we, you know, it's like. We, we should just let them take, give them the money and take, go out to dinner and then find some other fine kind of edu- uh, entertainment but yeah it, it just needs to get it, it needs to change and it needs to evolve otherwise it's going to die and things like this will only speed up that death yeah well I think um, Heather Perry uh, went up uh, is kind of quoted on Fresh Cup and her comments alone give are kind of indicating that there is some sort of a backtrack in place and I hope there is a resolution that's um, that's uh, kind of available to everybody um, because I suppose it stoked a lot of people into realising how much they did care about it so I think that, that works for a lot anyway. Well, you know, Bruce competition's been around for a very short space of time and, and, you know, it hasn't always existed and if we let it, it won't exist anymore and something will come and fill that void, be it... Uh, Rico, be it uh, Brewers Cup, be it something else, but if we don't cherish and love what we have and make sure that we talk to the community about what's happening with it, it will die, it will disappear, it, it is not um, you know, it, it's a very difficult time when you get to that 
it's just turning into a teenager. Teenagers are horrible. Like, <laughs> they are, they're vile. I've lived with one for like nine years and it's horrible. I used to be one. Um, I used to be one. Did you? Back in the day. Are you sure? I always thought you were old. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I think, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's been good because I say I, I, I missed it, but I've gone back over it. It seems to have excited the, uh, the whole of the community, which is, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it, that hasn't happened for a while. Uh, I can't remember the last time that we all got really excited about stuff and I missed it. Yeah, and there is, there is some truth in that. One final thing that I wanted to talk about, about all the... There's some really excellent blog, blog posts out there about this and a lot of, uh, like, obviously the Spudge um, uh, post is there, Bristol Magazine, um, Nick Cho's article is very good, the Chewbacca one, James Hoffman one. But the James Hoffman one, at the end, uh, or during it, he, was, he mentions that uh, if this idea of having a debrief with judges came came to to being, there's a danger that the judges became uh, bigger personalities than the bristles themselves. Is that a bad thing? Like, yeah. if you look at the, we there's talked a lot about of, the professional judge in the past. Yeah, I think it's a great thing. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um, uh, references and different uh, different blog posts about like Hell's Kitchen or other these other events. You know, like where some big angry chef comes in and judges all the the little newbies. But in those situations, the judges are big personalities. So I don't see that being a problem. I mean, I know when I was competing, if you got a Scott Connery or if you got, you know, um, uh, Rookie Del Rue, something like that, it's like, yeah. these are, that was, that, they're the kind of judges you see and go, okay, that's, that's a big deal. You know, these are big personalities. And that, that was a good thing. No, you, you used to cry when you got those people, like a baby. At that stage, we had to kind of calm you down and give you big cuddles. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, I think there's room for judges to be big personalities. I, I agree. I, 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 I've, I've been a big fan of your kind of professional, professional judge type thing, and I, and I think it's something that I would like to see more of. Um, it allows the, the barista that isn't necessarily um, entering you know like kind of like because at some point I and, and I think um, I think of Emma Markland like you know at some point she didn't want to compete anymore so do we not let Emma be part of that community anymore no she became a judge and now she's really part of it but she has so many clever and smart ideas that she wants to share with the world but because she's a judge she has to sit there and smile and say nothing yeah um, I'd love to see more like, of that agreed definitely. 100% um, I guess we should wrap up but before we do, um, I signed off every one of the Prague videos this week. I've seen them all. I've been through them. I've watched them. Um, they're amazing. They're going to start going up next week. Um, Excellent. I think we have the most diverse group of speakers we've ever had at a Tampa Tantrum watching them. And great um, videos too. Really, really, really good. The quality is phenomenal. Um, I'm super proud of them. Um, I think it's, uh, yeah. The, 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 the collab with BGE I think is, uh, has been a real success with it and I can't wait to share them with everybody and I can't wait to hear feedback so do uh, be aware that uh, next Monday they, they will be up the first one will be going up uh, Jen hasn't told me which one's going up yet I don't know if she's told you but um, yeah whichever one's going up first will be yeah I, I'm not allowed to choose anymore coupled that's been taken away from me coupled with that mm -hmm. is um this, the story that we've just spoken about at length um, that's a developing story so 
look for, I think we're going to try and, and pin some people down for some short interviews. So look for them over the next couple of weeks. And if something major happens, you might hear from us again on it. Um, but I think that's a developing story and it won't be the end of it. I recorded one with Mr. Vale while I was in, uh, while I was in uh, Gothenburg. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so that a very, very long one, like 30-odd minutes long. Um, couldn't shut him up. Bored the hell out of me. Um, but uh, <laughs> Sorry, David, <laughs> but you did. Um, no, it was, it's a very good, uh, very good um, interview, and that'll be going up in the next few weeks as well. So I, I, I kind of like that we've got all this stuff going on on the site. It's, uh, it feels busy. Excellent. Well, thank you all for joining us again on this episode, this 31st episode of Tampered Antrim. Thir- 31. Um, and uh, we will see, see well, no, we won't see you again. We, we're not watching you from the <laughs> computer screen. We are. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll talk to you all again in about two weeks' time. Uh, thanks for listening. Over and out.